We, um, if you're our guest here this morning, uh, over the last number of weeks, we've been talking about God's presence. And uh, we have a phrase that we sometimes use in church, and it goes something like this, that whenever the presence of God shows up, everything changes. So we'll say it again, when the presence of God shows up, everything changes. And you know, biblically speaking, we understand that the presence of God is in us if we've given our yes to Jesus. And uh, biblically speaking, we understand that His presence goes before us, is with us. Is, and yet, many of us have tasted and seen and experienced just that tangible presence of God in our lives that has just changed us in that moment and there are countless numbers of stories from scripture where we read where the presence of God shows up I know for many of us sitting here this morning if you're a follower of Jesus you've had that moment when you just prayed that prayer alone it was just you and maybe it was a dark moment maybe it was a sad time maybe it was one of those desperate kind of prayers of God if you're actually out there if you're actually listening would you show me and in that moment the presence of God just came in such a powerful way and met you personally I know that to be true in my life in many times when I've just simply been alone just me and him where I've just said God just show up just show up and his presence is the presence of the Holy Spirit it is the Holy Spirit who is God but biblically speaking as we read especially Jesus did a great job actually it was really helpful Jesus um, thanks and John John was the guy that wrote about what Jesus said so thank you John uh, too there's times when Jesus spoke the words just describing the person and the personality of the Holy Spirit, his role within the Trinity in terms of revealing the Son and revealing the Father to us. And what I want to do this morning in the time that we've got left is just follow on really what I started last week about the fatherhood of God. It was Father's Day last week and uh, I had a whole thing lined up and we just got through a bit of it. So uh, we got through two-fifths last week. So we've got three-fifths to go. Um, and what I did is I, I based it on a really well-known uh, scripture, one verse from Zephaniah 3, 17. Many of you will know it. To put it in context, a reminder for those of us last week and for those of you who weren't with us last week, the first chapter of Zephaniah is God's coming and it ain't going to look pretty. Like yeah, he's going to come rightly and uh, to, to judge and to bring justice. Why? Because God's special people had gone off and they had strayed away from Yahweh. And then in the second chapter, uh, Zephaniah, a prophet, very unpopular prophet, by the way. Let's just take 30 seconds on this. Most of us, we, we've been around church for a while. We understand that God speaks to us today and praise God that he does. The gift of prophecy that we uh, are able to hear God's voice for us today through people to others for ourselves and yet most of the teaching that we have today about prophecy 
is about giving words of encouragement, words which are going to build up. And I think that's right that we teach one another to do that. But the reality is the Old Testament prophets were not popular people. Why? Because the prophecies they gave were stern. They were, if you don't sort your life out, it ain't going to be good for you. You need to do something about it. And the chapter 2 in Zephaniah is, you need to turn. The word repentance really means to turn, to turn of our posture. I'm doing it now. Repentance is this. That's it. You were living this way, and then you chose to live a different way. And then we find in Zephaniah chapter 3, God wanting to come, wanting to dwell amongst his people and be present, to be present. A father to a child wants to be present and tend to the child. I've just seen walk in at the back um, a number of our folks that have been present in Carrickfergus this morning. It was the first ever inaugural, I love that word, inaugural, um, Carrickfergus Triathlon down at the castle. I don't know if any of you passed by, saw it all going on. We're invited to bring, uh, Stephen Gowdy's got an old double-decker red bus to drive the bus down there and give away refreshments. And at first I was like, no, we're not doing that. That's a Sunday. We're in church. And then I just felt like God was saying, no, it's okay to do that, to be present, to be God's people present in amongst the people in our town. And that's so much a part of our stories. It's so much a part of who we are as a people. We encounter his presence. It changes our lives. But it's not just for our sake. It's that we go give it away and be present in amongst other people. Zephaniah 3.17. Two translations. First of all from the message. Your God is present among you. A strong warrior there to save you. Happy to have you back. He'll calm you with his love and delight you with his songs. And then from the NIV, just to make sure we're closer to the original. Just in case any of you are going to write an email to me during the week. <laughs> no, no, one's, no one's written that email to me, by the way. I've had plenty, <laughs> but not that one yet. The Lord your God is with you. I'm in so much trouble. The mighty warrior who saves, he will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. And what I wanted to do was take five points. Last week, we did two. And the first is that he is with you. He's present. And secondly, he's there to save you. It's the gospel story. It's the good news of Jesus coming literally to save us. And then starting this week, third, God our Father is a Father who delights in us. He actually likes us. He does. He does. And so many of us have grown up, especially, I'm going to get in trouble for this one, you've grown up in this great nation of Northern Ireland. The message often that is portrayed or conveyed is not a father of love. It's a father of, if you don't, you know what I mean. 
God delights in us. He loves us. The message version says, he's happy to have us back, implying that we have strayed away. The one who leaves the 99 comes for the one. Father who delights. The best story of this is Jesus who tells the parable of the lost son. The one who was going one direction but chooses to turn direction and come back to the father who's delighted to have the son return to him. That's our God. That's who he is. How does the father relate to the son? In the scriptures, God spoke from the heavens audibly to Jesus or towards Jesus three times. The first time uh, is at his baptism. And it's recorded in Luke and it says this. God spoke and he said, you are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Jesus hasn't begun his ministry yet. He's 30 years of age. He spent his years under Joseph and Mary's care. He's learned how to make tables and chairs and what have you out of wood. And now he's about to embark on his uh, missional task of ushering in and bringing and announcing and pronouncing the kingdom. And God thunders from the heavens. This is my son whom I love. With him I'm well pleased. Now, Jesus hasn't done anything yet. And yet they're the words that the father speaks to the son. Why? Why? I'm going to quote my wife now. There's often, there's things in life, I'll ask her something. and She just gives this throwaway remark. It's really annoying because it doesn't actually say anything. Just cause. That's the answer. Why does the father say that? Just cause. Just cause. Then secondly, um, God speaks at Jesus' transfiguration, the most unusual part of the scriptures when it must have been an interesting spectacle. A voice came from the cloud saying, this is my son whom I have chosen, listen to him. And then thirdly, in the temple at the end of his ministry, Father, glorify your name. That's Jesus speaking. Then a voice came from heaven, I have glorified it. And I will glorify it again. These three exchanges, audible voices of Jesus, one in a river, one up a mountain, one in the temple, God speaking to the Son, speaks of love, speaks of validation, value and pride of the Son. And actually, if we really read about it, they weren't necessarily for Jesus' sake. They were for those who were there. The second one there simply says, this is my son, listen to him. He's actually addressing Peter, James, and John, who were the three who were there. And then on the last one, when Jesus was at the temple, Jesus says a few verses later in John, this voice was for your benefit, not for mine. Now I've no doubt in all the other exchanges when Jesus deliberately went on his own up a mountain often or to a lonely place where he retreated to be with the Father. I have no doubt in those times that God the Father spoke to the Son and gave him directions. 
This is where you need to go. This is what you need to do. These are the 12 disciples that I'm calling you to do. I've no doubt that Jesus tuning in and spending time with the Father, the Father spoke and gave him those directions. But in these moments, in these three audible exchanges, we hear the message, I love you. I delight in you. I am proud in you. Now, that can be slightly frustrating for us as Christians. Because very often when we come to God in prayer, it's usually, uh, God, what should I do? I, I'm just looking to you right now. I'm sure many of us right now, our prayers are filled with, God, I don't know what to do. Something's coming up. I, I, I really would love to hear your voice on such and such. And we come to him like that. When actually, I think the Father is saying to many of us, hey, why, why don't we just spend some time together? Why don't we just hang out? You're, you're, you're bothered with all these things, and, and, I, and I understand. They're important. You're all smiling. You're not all smiling. A number of you are smiling at me. I know that's where you're at right now. Hey, why don't we just go to a lonely place, just me and you, and we can spend some time. We're going to hang out because uh, just, you just need to actually hear this. I love you. I delight in you. You see, too many of us, we approach the father like a teenager. We only come to him when we want something. Isn't that right? Whereas younger children, how do they approach a father? They just want to be with their dad. They just want to come, climb up on his lap, give him a hug, tell him I love you. Father puts his arms around the little one and says, I love you. You're just amazing. That's our Father who just delights in us, wants to be with us. And so that's who he is. How should we as fathers father? It's the same. We should just love our young ones with our words and with our actions. As I was reflecting on this, I was thinking, we've, we've two boys that are getting a bit bigger. One of them's not far off the same height as me. And I've noticed, actually, as they're becoming just older and a bit more manly, I, I've noticed I tell my boys less that I love them. I've just noticed that. It's easier to say I love you to our little girl. She's a little girl. And yet, I've I just been pondering it. I, I had that awkward kind of conversation with one of our boys and sort of said that, so... I said, so I'm, gonna, I'm just going to tell you, son, I love you. And it was almost like one of these, well, dad, shut up, and walks out and all of that. But we must, and we must do it with our actions. We must be there uh, at the right times and the right moments with the right actions, being and displaying and showing our affection and showing that we delight in our children. Father comes to calm us. Oh, as you say, calm us. It's not calm, is it? How do you say it? Calm, calm us. going to calm us. He will calm us with his love. And this follows on brilliantly from delighting in us. And I don't know, I, I, I'm sure many of you are a bit like me. I, I like to get busy for God before I receive from God. It's being quite an active kind of person. And we're too 
quick to pray the prayer to move on from the Lord's Prayer. That was interesting we did that this morning. Where we address Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. But we want to skip quickly to the business of, but thy kingdom come. Let's get to the stuff, God. Like, let's talk, the, our Father, but thy kingdom come. And I just know for myself that very often I want to do ministry for him before allowing him to minister to me. And it's important that we do it the right way round. Put another way, I want the authority but without the intimacy. And it's important that we take time alone with the Father, allowing him to minister to us. I said this last week, uh, just a, another little phrase, practicing his presence. Practicing his presence, it just simply means just being alone. It means not praying, it just means receiving, being in his presence deliberately, away from the smartphone, away from whatever distraction, just being with the Father. I've said this to you before, uh, university for me was a lonely time, it was quite a boring time, and I had hours alone. And I remember such a grotty bedroom I had. Oh my goodness, it was such a dump where I stayed. But nonetheless, I remember spending lots of time there alone. And what did I do? Well, I, I spent a lot of time alone with God. And it was in that moment, in those times, when I just wanted to get busy for God. All I wanted to do was work for a church. I just wanted to be a youth worker. That's all I wanted to do. And it was in that time where God was doing some of the deepest, most profound inner work within me. For years, whenever Chantelle and I met and we moved here, we, we knew God's call was on our lives to, to do this and to lead church, and we're so thrilled that God would have us do that and entrust, um, entrust this to us. And uh, for the first years of being together, being engaged, and our first years of marriage and starting a young family, we kept looking, we kept inquiring and saying, God, where and when and how? Well, like we were, I, well, I certainly, we were, we wanted to do it sooner rather than later. But I just think in that time, God was doing something in us that was needed to happen in us before we can do anything for him. God the Father comes to bring calm and restoration to us. And it's a real hallmark of who we are as a church. It's about restoration of ourselves. We are not the finished article. We say, come as you are. Please, if you're our visitor here this morning, do not pretend to be someone. Do not pretend to have a big smile on your face if things on the inside are just not the same as on the outside. Come and allow the Father to bring calm and restoration to our very souls. How should we, Father? It's the same. It's to be there, even when they're not doing the things we would rather they were doing. Yes, it's right to point it out, by the way. But to bring calm and to bring restoration. One of our little ones, when they were little, little, um, used to, various things would trigger them off and they'd get really, really upset and get really angry and really just, to the point where, words were just not enough to settle and to bring calm and bring restoration 
And I remember a couple of times with, with our child, and I'm saying that so that you don't know which one it is. It's one of three. Um, and you might be able to guess as well. So I, I remember a couple of times with the two of us just like, what are we going to do? They're just like kicking off and going, whatever. And I just went into their room, into their bedroom, and, uh, and I just held them. Just put my arms around them and then actually lay together on their bed together and I didn't say anything. Inwardly, I was praying. I just was saying, come Holy Spirit, just come. And I just held and it, honestly, I'm just saying it, it's magical. Magical, that's the wrong word. It was, <laughs> it, w- it was a moment. It was amazing. So I'm going from absolutely going boogaloo to this calm, this sense of calm. And I came out, I remember, you probably don't even remember this, so I remember coming out and Chantel goes, Flip, Paul, what, what did you do? And I remember going, ah, oh, there was nothing. I just, just <laughs> held them. You know, I'm a super dad, super, super grander or whatever that, super nanny or whatever that program was. Just, just, ah, just nothing. I felt like an absolute legend <laughs> inside. Being really humble, aren't I? <laughs> We're there to bring calm, to bring restoration. Still our souls. And then lastly, this is just one of the most profound verses I find. <coughs> that the Father would sing over us would celebrate us with song. Oh my goodness. Is that not what we're meant to do? Sing to him? And here's our Father singing over us. It speaks of joy. The context of the verse speaks of joy. It's about restoration of relationship. But here's our Father singing over us and in many ways it's in response to our singing if we read Zephaniah 3 14 three verses before sing daughter Zion shout aloud Israel be glad and rejoice with all your heart daughter Zephaniah just further shares the importance of what we do when we gather together even though some of us can't sing very well. That's okay. It's an overflow of the heart. That's the important thing, isn't it? The God who saw our unformed body, the one who knows the numbers of hair on our heads, the one who knows how many days we have on this earth, the one who knows our greatest strengths and our greatest weakness and our fears and our sadness. This is the Father who sings over us, delights in us, calms us, celebrates, and is with us. How should we, Father? Again, I remember when our children were little, there were times when it was just me and them where you hold them, and I do remember singing to them and singing over them. Just silly little songs. I'm not even going to attempt to remember any of them and they were just I know you're disappointed I know I know but 
I just remember those moments of just great intimacy, of kind of just singing songs. I, I just, oh my goodness, it's about to come, isn't it? You can tell. What are the songs that we're singing over our children now? What are the words that we're speaking over them? I've said before a few times, we do need to be cautious with our words, the things that we say. And it kills me when I hear in the name of banter, when we say things and we speak things to one another, especially to our children, which actually just puts them down. We must speak words of life over our children. I googled this during the week and uh, Chantel, you'll be proud of me and other mums in the room, you'll be proud of me. Dads, sorry. I came across um, a website called Happy Home Fairy. <laughs> yes, interesting what you get up to in the week. And, uh, and I, I emailed them, so if they're listening, I got their permission and uh, that I said I'd, I'd quote them. And in this blog, this lady had said, there was a person in their church said this, they will become, this is our children, will become what you tell them they will be. And she had uh, written 20 life-giving phrases for kids. I'm going to quickly go through them. I see God working in your life. I love you and Jesus loves you most of all. God is always with you. You are beloved child of the King. You are a gift from God. You can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. God has a good plan for you. You are strong in the Lord. With God, all things are possible. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are loved no matter what. Jesus loves spending time with you and so do I. Let me pray for you. Trust Jesus with. I love that God helped you. God is concerned about every detail of your life. There is so much grace for you. I'm sorry, will you forgive me? Thank you, God, for this precious boy or girl. I'm so happy, proud, honored, blessed that God made me for you. It's important that we speak, sing words of life over our little ones too. In a world and in a culture where these things are speaking really, really loud to them altering, manipulating, distorting their true identity of who they truly, really are. And it is up to us, their parents. And when I say that, I speak to all of us. Whether you have had the blessing and the honor and the gift of a child or not, it is up to us, the body of Christ, that we speak a different voice we speak from the Father's heart to our children. And we, it's not just that to one another. May we be a church. May we be a people that speak well of one another, both to their faces and behind their backs, that we speak honorably and truthfully and lovingly and graciously. Then they will know that they are your disciples. <laughs> 